One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the Ausbiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon. This is the COB podcast here from Ausbiz. It is January the 12th. I am David Scott, joined today by Cara Ordway. Cara, it's a bit of a snapback after our losses yesterday. Yeah, a bit of a snapback and the market held on to it as well, didn't it? Looking from that 10 a.m. open, it was kind of six tenths of a percent higher all day. Uh, and it didn't really move from there. So it's a bit of subdued trading in the afternoon session, but yeah, holding on to them. Yeah, up by about two thirds of a percent. Uh, the financials have been the swing factor today. Uh, they're, they're up in early trade, then they went into negative territory, then they all managed to go and crawl higher and finish just in positive territory, which helped to go and buttress the market. Consumer staples still struggling. You know, so many issues when it comes to uh, trying to go and stock shelves and find staff at the moment, given so many people have been furloughed out there at the moment. Fortescue also a notable loser today, Citibank going and downgrading it there. But of course, the other uh, story again, once again last night, was uh, what was going on on the NASDAQ. Uh, we saw Jerome Powell go and speak and uh, sounded uh, a little bit more dovish than his peers and uh, up, up and away we went. Yeah, it was interesting, didn't it? It was. I mean, look, volatility is, is what everyone's saying is 22 is going to be characterised. And I guess the Fed is still very much an unknown. You know, we're pricing in, or the market is pricing in three, four rate hikes throughout the year, but there's still some to come. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's interesting that the market's reacted so abruptly when it came to Jerome Powell. My views today is about, if you want to know what the Fed's going to do over the sort of medium term, the next three months or so, I wouldn't actually listen to Jerome Powell at all. He's just going to tell you what they're going to do after everyone's already told you first. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Markets leading, leading the Fed, do you think? Yeah, I, I, think the, I think the Fed has gone involved in time so that the, uh, the chair is now the person who goes and anchors expectations and then lets the, uh, no, the Fed presidents out there, the regional Fed presidents, the governors go and do the heavy lifting and really put up those thought balloons to go and get the market prepared. Uh, but just, it's really obvious. Lots of members of the Fed who were perceived to be very, very dovish up until recently are now very, very aggressive in what they're talking about, particularly when it comes to QT and the like. So that's why I think you know, when it comes to what's likely to take place with that balance sheet runoff, it may not just be letting the actual you know, maturing assets roll off. They might actually go and sell back into the market, given some of the commentary out there at the moment. Of course, Jerome will tell us in about three months' time that they're going to do that, <laughs> if they go down that path. But uh, I digress. Uh, yeah, so look, his, uh, his remarks last night were welcomed by the market, and real yields are now about uh, 13 basis points off the highs we saw just a couple of days ago. Tech, loving that, including here in our local market. I'm looking at and up 5.3%. Afterpay as well. I know, it's Bank, back. Bank of Spain, come to the party. Yeah, exactly. Afterpay up almost 5% on this session, which is kind of an improvement over the past red sessions that we have seen. I mean, going back to the Fed, they're pretty good in their communication. How do they differ to what, what we might see from the RBA this year, do you think? Oh, well, probably be a bit more transparent. Hopefully the RBA is taking a uh, leaf out of the book. I know that uh, there are certain occasions last year where the RBA was very transparent, but it was only by after being really forced into doing so. And so I would still like to go and see the RBA go down the path of doing a monthly press conference. doesn't have to be like no elongated thing where we go and ask every single question under the sun, but just be a little bit more 
uh, transparent. Quit the central bank speak. It's just something from the, no, a bygone era. No one needs to be like, no, trying to go piece together, hey, what do we reckon is going to happen here? Just react to what the data does. Well, of course, we are waiting on some important data out of the US, which is the inflation data. Uh, looking to hit that 7% in December. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting later on tonight. I think a lot of expectations are priced in, so you'd expect it to have to be really, really punchy, probably at least two-tenths above uh, the market consensus to go and get a warranted reaction when it comes to uh, no, the hawkish side of the equation. Certainly, if there's a miss, well, we know there's a lot of expectations priced in at the moment. So, yeah, it'd be a pretty key one that comes out at 12.30 a.m. Uh, here on the Australia's East Coast. Uh, I tell you that someone who's uh, no, looking on it very closely as well, uh, Mark Todd uh, from the Bank of China, was on the program today talking about what's going on with the Fed and what potentially might go and mean when it comes to the likes of the RBA. So worthwhile taking a listen to that interview today. Well, of course, one of the big risks on the table is still Omicron. It's still very much an unknown. We're suffering here globally. And, of course, it's impacting travel. We've seen Qantas pull a lot of their domestic flights. I know I went back to London and it was still pretty quiet on all of those flights. Singapore Singapore Airport was looking pretty quiet. And we had a chat with Flight Centre's CEO today, Graham Turner, on his outlook for the sector. Did you fly, in, did you fly from London into Singapore Terminal 2 or 3? Into three, but yeah. they actually quarantined us in little separate areas. So they called your flight off the plane, you, you disembark separately, you get a wristband, and then you're stuck in a tiny little room for, uh, for the duration of your stopover. So I think it was like $7 for a bottle of, bottle of water or something crazy like that. Yeah, well, that's uh, the world <laughs> we're living at the moment. Yeah, I'd love to get back out there and explore. I think my, uh, my passport, I think, uh, is, uh, expires in May. So I think it's custard, um, done and dusted. Uh, my last uh, adios was in <laughs> Singapore before that. Got over to uh, Italy, but uh, yeah, alas, looks like I'm going to have to get a new one in the near future. You also had a bit of a chat today about Bitcoin. Now, it's been bashed it over the past yeah. uh, couple of months. So, I know, reflecting those, uh, in part, tightening expectations from the Fed, uh, what was today's conversation about? Yeah, and some comments from the IMF as well, kind of saying that they might drag down other markets. Bitcoin has lost some 40% of its value since November last year, which is really significant. We had a chat with Jonathan Miller from Kraken. He said he's not worried. This is just normal price action, good opportunity to buy the dip. If you look at the charts, there is a death cross there. But he said, no, that support is going to hold up pretty well. So he's still very buoyant on the sector. They're making acquisitions, Kraken themselves, to try and grow the sector in Australia. Yeah, I'm sure if it was uh, a golden cross, he'd probably be all cheering it. But uh, that's, that's the way it is with the other uh, crypto crowd. Uh, like everyone out there, everyone's got their other things that they like and don't like. Um, I'll tell you something, you know, so we're going from something that's uh, no, not so hot at the moment to something that's pretty hot. Liontown Resources, uh, I've had a chat with uh, Carl Kappelinger of the Thing Markets about this particular company a few times because it's just, it's a Momo specialist. You know, that battery material space is just so hot at the moment. And uh, up again today, another offtake agreement uh, announced the market market just a cool five percent higher and uh, it's been one of the top performers for, i think the last three years so uh it just happened to be our stock of the day so we sat down today uh, with andrew Bielent from dp wealth advisory and henry jennings from marcus today to get their views as to whether we should be going on the momo express to lion town take a listen it's a three billion dollar company and as you just said they've signed uh, their first offtake agreement for that kathleen valley project they have with lg uh, and it's a five-year deal initially, starting in 2024, uh, around 100 to 150,000 tonnes. So it certainly is a positive for them. The mine itself's got a 23-year 20 life, so certainly this should hopefully be the first of many 
uh, agreements announced by Liontown, so I would think it's a buy. Mm. Liontown, yes, it is a buy, I have to say. They're hoping to raise 40 million bucks. Now, SPPs tend to be the icing on the cake. It's already fully funded Kathleen Valley, 450 million bucks out of the placement. Once that uh, SPP closes on the 14th of January, which is only a couple of days away, I think the stock could uh, pop back up towards the $1.82 level, especially given the deal they've done today with LG. And as for the question as to whether we should be going on the Momo uh, chain to Liontown, the answer is yes, it's a buy. It's going into the portfolio. So we're, uh, we're you know, our funds are becoming a bit more hedge fund-like and uh, chasing some of that momentum. So yeah, it's uh, certainly a thematic that a lot of people are hitching their ride to for the time being. Well, there's going to be lots to talk about tomorrow, post that number in at the US. We've got Tony Sycamore from City Index joining us in the morning. No doubt he'll have the key levels when it comes to the Australian dollar. Just sitting pretty around that 72 handle at the moment. And I've got Nick Twidell from FP Markets on at the trade to discuss all things currencies as well. What else have we got coming up? Uh, anything exciting that we should go and take a look at when it comes to the macro space or the stock pickers out there? What have we got on the agenda? I can see that uh, Andrew Whelan's going to be talking about the ETF space. Again, so looking forward to back on that. And I can see that uh, Phil O'Donoghue from uh, Deutsche Bank will be joining Annette for the big picture, undoubtedly having unpick what's going on in the macro world and whether the RBA might be forced to go and turn a little bit uh, hawkish themselves. I can also see Joshua Barker from Macro will be joining us with some stock picks, so looking forward to go and uh, dealing with all that. But, of course, there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge. Cara, what do you reckon we'll call it a day? And uh, we'll regroup for tomorrow. I think so. Sounds good. Let's do it. Good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.